welcome to the Redeemer Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And our student ministries exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Our whole goal is to come alongside parents and helping their kids follow Jesus Christ. And so what you're about to listen to is a sermon that was preached on our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30. And as you listen, I pray that you are encouraged and that you would be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ as we behold Him in His glory. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. For those who don't know me, my name is Sam. I've been a uh, leader here for, this will be my eighth, going into my eighth year. So, getting, uh, only to be eclipsed by Hoover. Hoover's got one on me. I'm trying to catch up. Um, The title of my message tonight is called The Sluggard or The Lazy Man. In August, on August 23, 2005, Hurricane Katrina hit the city of New Orleans. Who knows about, does anybody here know about Hurricane Katrina? Any students? Who, what students know about Hurricane Katrina? Okay, a couple. So her, in 2000, August 23, 2005, Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans. I think Hurricane Katrina was number one or number two most costly tragedies in the history of the U.S. It made, it swept through, went over Florida, made landfall in the city of New Orleans. Um, It had winds up to 175 miles an hour, which I don't think is that unusual for a hurricane. And when it hit, it had this big storm surge. It, It caused all this Rain, water, wind, all came against the city. And the city has all these walls up to keep the water out of the city. Because the city of New Orleans is below sea level. So it's below the level of the ocean. Um, It's like a big bowl. And so when this hurricane hit, the water came and hit hit these levees, what they call levees, that are supposed to keep the water out of the city. And the water went over top, but then a whole bunch of the levees all broke. All these levees broke everywhere. Um, And there's this, you can look it up on YouTube, there's just this footage of these, helicopter footage of just the ocean just draining, huge amounts of the ocean just draining into the city. And what happened is the city got covered in 20, 25, some areas were 30 feet underwater. They estimated that about 850,000 homes were destroyed, damaged, gone, flooded. Um, 300,000, about 300,000 vehicles flooded, damaged, destroyed, gone. Um, 2,500 ships, and they estimated 18, about 1,800 people died um, because of the hurricane. They estimated the cost, this was back then, so this was even more money 20 years ago. They estimated the cost at about $125 billion. Um, So some of you are probably wondering, what does Hurricane Katrina have to do with the sluggard? What does Hurricane Katrina have to do with laziness? Uh, Well, we're going to get into that tonight. 
So they did, after this hurricane hit, they did an investigation. They're like, we need to know why did these levees, these levees that were supposed to keep the water out, why did they all fail? Why did they fail and let the water in? So they did this big, extensive investigation and they blamed a big portion of the damage on the levees failing. Said the damage would have not been near as bad if the levees would have held the water out and kept the city, very largely minimized the amount of water that came in the city. And so here's a couple of the reasons. Here's a couple of the reasons they cited after their investigation. There were many long-term warnings that went unheeded by government officials to prepare for something like this. So they failed to plan for this catastrophe. The levees they found had flaws in their design. They were not designed correctly. The levees were improperly constructed. And then the icing on the cake, the third strike, the levees were not maintained. So it was three strikes. They weren't designed right, they weren't built right, and they weren't maintained. So they found those three things. They even found disagreements. There was a lot of fighting. Who was really responsible for, levy, for the levy maintenance? Who was really responsible? I mean, surprise, right? No one took responsibility for that, right? It's like a dish breaks at your, you know, this expensive vase or lamp at your house breaks, right? Parents, who, who did, who broke it? And I didn't do it, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Okay, no one, no one did it, it fell by itself. Right? Has anybody ever heard their parents say that? Okay, it broke itself. Um, so it was big, big finger pointing. They even, then they even found the inspections were not done correctly. The, founda the foundations of the levees were supposed to be inspected. People never even inspected them. So they had this whole list of blame, all the reasons um, why people were to blame. And this exposed a lot of laziness a lot of laziness in the government was exposed by this hurricane. From their failure to plan, from their failure to build, all different areas, failure to communicate. So tonight we're going to look at Proverbs 26, 13 through 16. You can flip there in your Bible. This is a warning from Solomon to us about laziness and reminds us of the action needed Proverbs 26, 13 through 16. The sluggard or the lazy man, they're interchangeable. The sluggard says, there is a lion in the road. There is a lion in the street. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Join with me in praying for a minute. God, we thank you for your word. Your word is perfection to us, imperfect people. And God, we thank you for these proverbs that give us your divine heavenly wisdom. And we pray that it would sink into our hearts and into our minds and change us. In your name we pray, amen. My first point is the sluggard excuses his laziness. The sluggard excuses his laziness. The sluggard 
first verse says, there's a lion in the road, there's a lion in the streets. The sluggard doesn't want to do whatever he's supposed to do that day. And so he's making up an excuse, saying, there's probably a lion out there. I probably shouldn't go outside. I should probably stay home today. Um, right? And we've all made that excuse. You know, there's probably, there's probably a snowstorm. Uh, I probably shouldn't go to school. I know they didn't cancel, but I'm, I'm just not going to go. Or, um, you know, I got a little sniffle, you know, I, I you know, I, you know. I might have been, maybe I was exposed to him with COVID. I, I probably shouldn't go to work today. Um, I should probably watch TV, play video games, go, uh, I'm, I'm good enough to go like water skiing or whatever, but probably not go to work. Um, so the sluggard is making excuses. He is, the sluggard excuses his laziness. And during this investigation of the levees, it was a bit, lots of excuses. Lots of excuses of laziness. I didn't look at the foundation because no one told me to. I didn't look at the foundation because no one showed how to do it. I didn't do the inspections because no one showed me how to do the inspections. Well, I just built what the engineers, I just built what the engineers told me. Uh, you know, it's not my fault. I just did what they told me. Or, you know, I didn't do it because my boss didn't show me how to do it. So it was just, if you look at, I watched some of the footage of the interviews. It's just, everyone was blaming each other. Everyone was this guy's fault. No, it's this guy's fault. No, it's this guy's fault. Um, and we all know about that, don't we? We all know about shifting blame. Yeah, mom, I, uh, you know, I would have cleared the table, but the dishwasher was full. And, you know, that was Johnny's responsibility. He never emptied the dishwasher, so I couldn't clear the table. So, you know, I'm just playing video games, waiting for him to empty the dishwasher. So I could, you know, it's, we're all, we're all shifting blame all the time. Um, and this is what happened with Hurricane Katrina. They were all shifting blame. We don't have to look far in the Bible. We don't have to flip very many pages to find the first man to blame shift. His name was Adam. And we find it in Genesis 3. Eve gives Adam some of the forbidden fruit. And we, we know the story. Adam eats it. And God comes to Adam and says, Adam, did you eat the fruit I told you not to eat? And right away, what is Adam's response? Yeah, blame shift, right? Excusing his, excusing his sin, excusing his laziness. You know, she just pushed it right in my face. I don't know, I just had no choice. I just ate it, you know? It was her fault. And so right away, Genesis chapter 3, blame shifting, excusing his laziness. And we don't have to go far to find another story of excusing laziness, story of how many of you are familiar with the story of David and Bathsheba? David and Bathsheba. Okay, a few of you. So David was God's chosen man. David was a God, man after God's own heart. And God loved David so much that he made a covenant with David. It was called the Davidic covenant. And God said, David, you will be the heir to the king that will save the world. I will send my king to save the world and he will be an heir from you. That's how much, that's how much God loved David, how much David was like. David was close to God. But David had a major failure, the story of David and Bathsheba, right? He saw a woman that he wanted, and he took her. He took another man's wife to be his own wife and got her pregnant, and then he murdered her husband to cover up for his, to cover up for his sin. And so I'm going to read 
We're going to go to this. You can read about this story in 2 Samuel 11. You don't have to read. We can read verse 1, and it will tell us about David's laziness. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. In the spring, at the time when the kings went off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites. They besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. The author makes David's laziness really clear. The author makes a point to say, the kings went out, but David stayed. The author didn't even say the Israelite army went out. It said David, the author said, David's men went out, but David stayed. So the author is making this very clear to us that David failed to go out to battle with his men. David stayed at home. David was, we don't know, the author doesn't say what excuse he used or what his reasoning was, but the author makes it clear that David was supposed to be with his men and he wasn't. Just like we are reading these stories, the man who makes an excuse about the lion in the road or all these people that made these excuses over why the levies failed, David stayed home. You know, when they did this investigation, they found even deeper. The more they investigated, the deeper they found these problems. They found that people were just, guys were just driving in their trucks. They were just driving down the levees, and they were like, all right, yep, yeah, the levee's good. Just drove by it. Yeah, it's all good. Check. Inspection's done, right? It's like walk out to your car. You're like, all right, yeah, oh, well, that looks good. You know, I'm sure the oil's good. I'm sure transmission, I'm sure it's all good. Check, 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 check. So that's what these guys were doing. They found out that their, their levy inspections were all just a big sham. And these guys were excusing their laziness in one way or another. They were, they justified it in their heart that they didn't need to do the inspection the way it was supposed to be done. They excused their responsibility it's just like verse 16 tells us. Um, verse 16 tells us, The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. I'm sure everyone, sure people would have not excused their inspection technique, but they, they justified it in their own eyes. They justified their inspection in their own eyes. I'm sure... There was a lot of people who wanted David to go out to war with his army, but David justified it in his own eyes. Just like Solomon says here, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men with sense. And don't we do this too? Just to give myself how I excuse my responsibility. Um, like, you know, uh, you know, I need my sleep. I, you know, I didn't have time to read my Bible this morning. You know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to listen to some worship songs and call it good. Um, you know, uh, well, you know, I didn't get time to read my Bible, but tomorrow's Sunday. I'm going to church anyway. So I'm sure it's all, I'm sure I'll be all right. Or, um, you know, I, uh, you know, I, my, I didn't take the trash out tonight like I was supposed to, but, you know, I'll grab that tomorrow. I'll grab that tomorrow morning. You know, it's not even all the way full yet. There's, you know, there's a little bit left. 
there's a little bit of space left in there, so I could probably wait. You know, I'll wait till tomorrow. Um, and I see it in my own life in lo in lots of ways. You know, my oil change lights on. You know, I I could probably squeeze out another thousand miles. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have time for an oil change. You know, I don't have time to build these levees the right way. Just you know, they'll be fine. I don't have time to inspect them. I'm sure, you know, a storm's not coming for a while. Um, and so we all excuse, we all excuse our laziness. And we have these examples here that give us the devastating, that show us the devastating effects of excused laziness. A hurricane comes, breaks down the walls, $125 billion in damage, 1,800 people die. David, right? What were the, what were the repercussions of David's sin, right? It, David's sin is the reason that laziness came in the world in the first place, right? Eating that apple, God cursed his work. God cursed him. God kicked him out of his garden. All because of his of his sin. And David, the, the child that David had with Bathsheba, God took that child and David had to watch it die. David had no, David was powerless. He watched his, he had to watch that son die. And he would lose more sons in the future. And that would be devastating. Those would be devastating effects of the sin in his life from his laziness and excusing his, excusing his responsibility. So we've looked a little bit just at excusing laziness in the slug, what the sluggard does, the sluggard makes excuses. And now we're gonna move on to the middle two, middle two verses. Verse 14 and 15. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish it wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. My second point is the sluggard is anchored down. Sluggard is anchored down. Just like a door turns, but it's anchored to the wall. So the sluggard turns, but is anchored to its bed. The sluggard is, or the lazy man is anchored to his laziness. I think we can all, I think we've all been in this place where we've uh, turned off, this is very simple, right? We've turned off the alarm and we've rolled over, right? Not only once, probably twice, three, four, right? I don't, right, how many snoozes have we done? What's our snooze record? I don't know. Or just turn it off and go to sleep, go back to sleep, forget about it, right? Um, We've all been there. We've all, we're just sleeping through it, right? Just letting it go. Like, I'm not even gonna turn it off. I'm just gonna let it go and just keep sleeping. I'm not even gonna bother to turn it off, right? I think I've, you know, we've had this moment at camp where it's just alarm, like you're just walking down the hall and just alarms are going off. You don't know whose they are or where they are, but they're just going. <laughs> so the sluggard, the sluggard loves his sleep. He loves his rest more than his responsibilities. 
how many of us have missed work, missed work, missed school, missed homework, or missed breakfast altogether just because we were like this man. We were staying in our bed. We were loving our rest. The lazy man is anchored. He is content in his bed. And even, right, we see in the second verse, even he finally gets out of bed, right? And he finds, he gets some food, but now he puts his hand in the food and he's like, uh, I'm uh, too tired to eat. I'm too tired to eat. I'm just not going to eat breakfast, uh, right? I think we some of us have been there before, like, uh, it's not even worth it. So the sluggard wears him out to bring his food up to his mouth. The sluggard, we can see this, the sluggard is on the road to destruction, right? He's self-destructing. He's sleeping in, he's snoozing, he's turning over, he's not eating, he's sluggard, is, he's excusing his sin, he's making excuses. The sluggard is on the road to destruction, right? The city of New Orleans was on a road to destruction. David, I'm going to turn back to our story here in David in 2 Samuel 11. David, in verse 1, he's starting down this path of destruction. He's not going out with the army like he should have. And now what happens? What happens because he doesn't go out? It says in verse 2 Samuel 11, starting in verse 2, One evening David got up from his bed. He walked around the roof of the palace, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. David was just like the sluggard. He was anchored down in his laziness. It says, He got up from his bed in the evening, Right, that I don't know his circumstances, but that is not good. Right, we're not supposed to get out of bed in the evening. I don't know, we don't know what his circumstances were, but we do know that that's not natural. We don't get up from our beds in the evening. He got up from his evening and he didn't, we know what he didn't do, right? He didn't go to dinner, he didn't go to the tabernacle, he didn't go to read his Bible, he didn't go to his council. He got up and he just walked around his room and he knew. He might have had an idea what he was looking for. Um, but he's anchored down in his laziness, and he sees this naked woman, Bathsheba, right? And he's reaching his hand into the dish. He sees her, and he's reaching his hand into the dish, and he takes her, and he brings her to him. And he takes her in his laziness, and he feasts on what his, what his mind and body wants. But aren't we, isn't that what we do too when we're, in, when we're in private or when we're in our rooms? We think people aren't looking. Uh, we're in our car, we're in our rooms. We wait till everyone goes to bed or we're in the basement. I mean, we turn on, we watch shows that we're not supposed to or we do things on our phone we're not supposed to. We talk to friends we're not supposed to. We go on blogs or we do a lot of things we're not supposed to. We, we are anchored down in our sin, and we're waiting for an opportunity. We're waiting for an opportunity to engage with it. 
Proverbs 26, 11, a couple of verses earlier says, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. And isn't this, isn't this what the men in New Orleans were doing every day? They were just repeating their follies. They were repeating their poor work, their laziness, their no plan, their not their negligence of the levies. They were repeating it every day. And isn't this what we do too? We take, we take our opportunities and we engage in social media or we engage in lust or we engage in right we engage in <laughs> food right or i just so funny i had these uh i was teaching fourth and fifth grade on sunday and i was asking the kids like if they talk about what do we need to repent of and this kid's like well i got really hungry so i took all my, i ate all my mom's gluten-free oreos when i she wasn't looking I was like, it's just such a great example of what we do. We, our parents aren't looking. We take, we see it, we take it, right? We want those Oreos. We want that ice cream. We want that show. Um, we want that person. We want to be, we want to look at something, anything to, anything to excuse our laziness, to avoid our homework, to avoid um, our sin. And this is just like what David did. David was anchored down in his room and he took this woman um, in New Orleans, um, which is a lot of these government workers were anchored down. They were, they were all repeating their folly day after day. They were, they were consumed with other things. They had other things they thought that were more important. Um, just like this sluggard. Sluggard is right in his own eyes. I think that's the same for us. We think we have more important things to do than maybe our homework. Um, we think we, you know, we deserve a break. I don't, you know, I got, I'll do those chores later. I'll do that paper later. You know, I've done a lot today. I need a break. I need some rest. And maybe just like the city of New Orleans, we look, we look okay on the outside. Our grades are okay. On the levees, they looked okay. But when the storm came, uh, when that hurricane came, it revealed um, the truth. It revealed the truth about the state of the levees. It revealed the truth about the state of the government. And when David, when David's army went out to battle and he didn't go, it revealed the truth about what was inside David. When David took Bathsheba, it revealed, when he saw, when he saw her and took her, it revealed what was in his heart that was already there. So for us, we know some of us are in storms of life right now. Some of us have been through storms. For some of us, the storm is coming and the storm will, just like Katrina revealed the bad levees, the storms will come, storms of life will come. And what will they reveal about us, right? That war will come that we will, men, that war will come and we won't go out to it. Right, the war will come. Will we go out to it, or will we not? Will we will we anchor ourselves down? Um, what will be revealed about our heart conditions in that moment?
one of the great theologians, a guy named John Calvin, he described this condition, this condition that we've been talking about. The way he described it was with two words, total depravity. Mankind, he said, is totally depraved. Totally de- total depravity maintains that man is completely broken. Totally self-explanatory. Totally depraved. We are completely broken. We are completely polluted. We are completely, we are utterly helpless against our own sin. But we know that's not what the world told us, will tell us, right? The world will tell us it's our surround. It's not what's inside of us that makes us broken. It's what's outside of us that makes us broken. We need to fix what's outside of us, and it will make what's inside right. And that's not, what, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what John Calvin says. Calvin says what's inside of you is broken, and that what's inside of us is what will be revealed when the storm comes. When David was convicted of his sin against Bathsheba, when he's convicted of what he did, he wrote a psalm. Um, he wrote a psalm of uh, confession or repentance to God. And this is a psalm that we should all study, Psalm 51. And he says in verse 5, he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and, and did sin. And sin did my mother conceive me? And what David meant was, was that soon as he was, as soon as he had a heartbeat inside of his mother, as soon as he was born, he was completely broken. He was full of sin. He was full of iniquity. David is, com- David is confessing his complete helplessness to God, his need for God and his utter brokenness. And we know that to be true from what he had did, right? This woman came and revealed what was inside of him, what was already there. And for all of us, right, every day we have situations. Every day we have situations that are revealing what's broken inside of us in our laziness. Some days a lot worse than others. And isn't this how the, isn't this how the government felt when that hurricane hit completely helpless in one minute in one day they were instantly convicted of everything they had done wrong all the warnings not heeded all the inspections not done correctly all the emergency evacuation plans that they were supposed to come up with that they never did right immediate instant regret they knew that they were wrong they knew that they had messed up they knew they had cost their city a lot of lives. And if we, this is how we should feel. We should see, just like when that flood of water came on New Orleans, we should see the flood of our own sin. And we should, we can look to Psalm 51 to know how to deal with this because when we're hit with that sin or that storm and it gets exposed, when we fail that test because we didn't study like we knew we should have or we get caught plagiarizing or um, we don't do, we shortcut our chores or um, we, our parents catch us looking at things on our phone that we're not supposed to. Um, well, how do we react 
How do we react? I thought of a couple of options that I see, a couple of things I see in my own life, things that the world will say. One is shame. What happened? One is shame. Beat yourself up. Let the world beat you down. I'm worthless. You know, I messed up. That's just because who I am. I'm worthless. I, uh, I always, I always fail. I always mess up. Oh, you know, why did I think it was a good idea to cheat on that thing? You know, I, I knew better. And we beat ourselves up. Another thing that we try to do is we try to, we try to try harder. The world will say, you got to pull yourself up. You got to toughen up. You got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You just got to start trying harder. Right? That's another way we deal with it. You know what? Coach, yeah, I messed up, but you know what? I'm doubling down on my efforts. You know, I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm going to try harder. You know, mom and dad, I'm going to try harder. Right? Maybe we do try harder. Maybe it lasts for a little while. Maybe it lasts for our entire life. Right? Maybe we convince ourselves that trying harder is the answer. What's the third thing? The third thing that we tend to often do is to beat ourselves up, which I was touching on a little bit, like, yeah, you know, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I'm an idiot. You know, I, why, why did I think that was okay? You know, I, I just, we start beating ourselves down. We, we're like, oh, I'm not going out with my friends. I'm, I'm not worth it, and, right? It's like whip, we, whip, we whip ourselves, we beat ourselves. So how can how can we redeem our laziness? How can we deal with that sin when it crashes onto us, that wave that breaks over our, our man-made levees? Where do we go? Well, we can look to how David dealt with it. In Psalm 51, David said, David poured out his heart to God, and he said, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Instead of blame shifting or justifying, David poured out his heart to God. David confessed his sin to Christ. He knew there was only one solution for his sin. Isn't that, isn't that true for us? Just like the proverb was talking about turning on the door, one step forward, one step backward, the door swings back and forth. And for us, we need, instead of turning, in our, turning on that door, being anchored to our sin, we need to turn toward Jesus, which is repentance. We need to turn toward Jesus. Jesus, Jesus can cut that anchor that anchors us down. Jesus can remove all those excuses that torment our laziness. Isaiah, the prophet, talked of what Jesus would, what kind of man Jesus would be, what he could do for us in Isaiah 61. And he said, he said, he will come to bring good news to the poor. He will come and bind up the brokenhearted. 
he will proclaim liberty to those that are in captive or those that are enslaved or those that are anchored down in their sin. And he will open up the prisons of those who are bound. And that's, that's what we must turn to. Instead of turning toward excuses, and turning towards trying harder, instead of trying to mitigate our sin, instead of trying to build these, build our own walls, we need to turn toward Jesus. And uh, I'm just going to close with one of my favorite parables from Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7:24. It says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and who does them, he will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, they beat on that house, but the house did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, they will be like the foolish man or the lazy man or the sluggardly man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house. And great was the fall of that house. Great was the fall of the city of New Orleans. Great was the fall of Adam and all mankind. We have a chance tonight to, to turn toward God, to confess our sins of laziness to him, admit to God that we are totally depraved, to admit that we are totally depraved, to build our house on the rock and not build it on the sand, By turning toward Jesus, we can fight against our laziness. We can conquer it. We can defeat it. And when those storms of life come, and they will come, I mean, there's many here that are going through those storms and many who will. Um, when those storms of life come, we can be assured of our foundation. We can be assured of where we stand. We can be assured of our Savior. And the reason that we can be assured is because we know that Jesus, Jesus was perfectly obedient to his Father. He did not excuse his laziness. He was not lazy in his mission. He was perfectly obedient. The Bible says he was obedient to death on the cross. He was obedient to endure the mockery and scorn of the world around him. He was obedient to all of his friends abandoning him. He was obedient to being crucified for something that he didn't do. He was obedient even when his father, his own father, turned his back on him. And on that, when he was on that cross, he bore the flood, the hurricane, the category five hurricane of all of our sin, all of the wrath of everything we'd done. He bore it all on the cross. It all hit him. And he endured. He didn't break. He didn't fall. The Bible says 
that he was lifted up and he rose again, that we might see him, that we might look to him and not look to our laziness, not look to our sluggardly ways. So let's, I'm going to close in prayer.